Hey everyone, before the episode starts, I wanted to give a quick update about the show. The plan for this relaunch was to release four episodes and then see how much interest folks had in it. And thankfully, there's been a lot of interest. So I'm happy to announce that Once Upon a Roll will be continuing for the foreseeable future, largely due to the support it's gotten on Patreon. Moving forward, there will be a new episode every month. As the show continues to grow, I hope to be able to put out one every other week, but we'll have to see how things go. If you're interested in more frequent episodes, consider checking out and supporting the Patreon, as more support there makes it possible to produce more episodes. You also get some perks, like being able to listen a week early, having access to an after show where I break down the session with the guest, and some other cool things. With that said, no matter how you support the show, I genuinely appreciate anyone who has taken the time to engage with it. I love making Once Upon a Roll, I love D&D, and I love that folks enjoy listening to me play it with awesome people. So thank you so much for making this possible. Anyway, here's the episode. Hello, my name is Rasputin, and this is Once Upon a Roll, a D&D podcast where I play a session of 5th edition with a new guest each episode in the land of Cortia, a homebrew setting I've been using for a while now. This week, I am joined with a, a pillar of the D&D community. <laughs> Honestly, making some of the best D&D content out there in various ways, I have Joe Cat. How are you doing, Joe Cat? Hello, I I'm doing wonderfully well. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me on the show. It's not not an, a common opportunity to be able to play a one-on-one D&D game. Yeah, have you have you done it before? I've done it a few times. The first time I ever played my half-orc bard character story a long time ago, uh, the first session setting up who he was was a one-on-one, -on -one, and then like just with the DM because he was joining in an already pre-existing group. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was pretty fun. Yeah. But no, I, I haven't really done many more aside from that. Yeah, I do think it works really well for those kind of like introductory sessions. Yeah. Especially for new newer players. Of which you are not, but how might people know you on the internet, I suppose? Oh yeah, that's right, yeah. So yeah, I'm Joe Cat. Uh, you may know me from a variety of things, probably most notably the Crap Guide series, making a Crap Guide to Monster Hunter, D&D, &D, and uh, most recently, Final Fantasy XIV. But I also do a bunch of other stuff. I like to call myself an animator, but saying that still feels weird, but I do make animations mm -hmm. uh, every now and then, you know, like Gobble Ventures, which the last episode was eight months ago, but let's not worry about that. <laughs> various different things animated in my videos. I do video essays on occasion as well, the last one of which was two years ago. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm slowly shifting my content. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you do a lot. I think looking at your channel, it's just amazing kind of the breadth of content. I, I don't like using the word content. The breadth of cool videos oh, thanks. <laughs> and ideas and things you cover uh, across it. And yeah, it's always a fun time to check out. But yeah, this is this is relevant because more recently I have been doing more D&D stuff in the fact that I've been running Balkanus Necrohunt, which I'm mm -hmm. very, very proud of and I'm very happy about because it's it's been a campaign that I've been kind of like boiling in the back room for years now. It was the first campaign I had ever run. And the first time I ran it, it looked very, very different. It looked much more different than uh, how it looks now. But I was very proud of it. And it just was essentially the quintessential like starter campaign I wish I got to play as a player. Mm -hmm. So now instead, I'm running it for people. Yeah, my DM style, I try to play the game I'd want to be a player in. Yeah. So yeah, anytime you can go back and be like, this is the first campaign I wish I would have played. Uh, mm -hmm. It has to be a just like very fulfilling. Like, yes, <laughs> I'm yep. doing it. I'm giving a great experience to these people. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, 
let's, uh, you know, I'm sure we could talk for hours on D&D and uh, all that stuff, but let's let's play it, because playing it is fun, too. Yeah, we're here to play some D&D. Let's roll some dice instead yeah. of just buying them. <laughs> I, I have too many dice. <laughs> I do not play in person enough to justify it in the slightest, yeah. which is why I use physical dice for this, just to get those dice sounds in there, you know? Yeah. Oh, it sounds so good. Sounds uh, good. <laughs> anyway, let's jump into this episode of Once Upon a Roll. The kingdom of Cortia has thrived for over a thousand years. In that time, it has endured war against powerful enemies, outlasted deadly feuds between its lords, and fought against evil, both of this plane and others. However, during the most recent festival of the autumn sun, the sage's ritual revealed a nearly forgotten omen, the sign of Black Sun, a symbol only seen once before, and it almost led to the destruction of Cortia. Panicked, the common folk in the capital city rioted, and when the dust settled, the king was dead, and his two children had disappeared in the night. The lord of the city of Edgewood, Tom Dunn, restored peace to the capital, and with no heirs of the king anywhere to be seen, he decided to sit the throne and take the position of Lord Regent. This story takes place a few months after the Festival of the Autumn Sun in the newly formed kingdom of Fareth. About a week ago, it was known as the city of South Fareth, one of the major city-states of Cortia nestled in the mountain range of the belt. But when Tom Dunn asked Lord Gorstag Stormen to bend the knee to his cause, the Dwarven Lord refused, stating his ancestors had only ever agreed to serve the royal family of the Bennets. And thus, the city seceded from Cortia to become its own country. Now, the inner workings of politics has never interested you all that much, but as someone living in Farrah for a little while now, the effects of the shift have been felt, largely in that it is much harder to leave the city now, and near impossible to get back in. Protected on all sides by either mountain or the massive wall known as the Stormgate, Farif is thought to be an impenetrable city, and with the worry of possible retribution from the Duns for leaving the kingdom, the city has been on lockdown, making work for you a little bit harder to find, but not impossible. You step into the Forlorn Foam a tavern that Arston said to meet you in. And as you look around the bar for the old man, everyone's gaze turns to you standing in the door. Uh, what do they see? They see a warforge that is battered and bruised, well, not bruised, but more dented, scratches all around, uh, standing fairly tall at about seven foot and some inches, wearing a kind of patchwork of clothing, some fingerless gloves, a mantle with a hood up, a kind of shoulder belt with pouches, and a waistcoat very short waistcoat as well, but mostly a lot of his warforged parts are still very clearly visible. He's not trying to hide it, but a lot of the wear that he has on is more stylistic rather than practical. You have gotten used to odd looks from people knowing that, you know, you have never met another warforged in your life, so... It's, it's not all that surprising that other people haven't. Although you have started to frequent certain taverns, the Forlorn Foam being one of them. So while you do still stand out and people do like look over at you, they are more used to you than they used to be mm -hmm. as you've been around for a little bit. A as you glance out the 
sizable and lively bar, you recognize two people. The first being Brielle Tunderstort, a young dwarven woman with long black hair, all of which is braided in an intricate fashion. For a while, she was the person to call for any odd jobs that needed doing in this area of Farif. That is until you came into town. And what started out as a simple resentment quickly turned into a competition, a rivalry. And more than once, the two of you have butted heads to see who could finish a job first. As you step in, she kind of gives you a little glare and turns back to her drink. Hmm. I pay her no mind. I'm here to see an old man, yeah? Yeah. Uh, The other is Arston, who is sitting at Uh, a table alone, drinking a pint of ale. He's an older man, around 50. He used to be a blacksmith, but he sold his shop which was located in a pretty prime spot in Farif, and and he was able to sell it for a hefty sum as the location was more valuable than any of the work he really ever did. And he's been living off that for the past few years. The two of you met after, you know, you had taken some damage in a fight and uh, you were looking for someone to fix up your parts and uh, friendship was forged from that. What's he like? He seems like someone who used to be far more serious Maybe when he was working, uh, you know, he's got that kind of look to him. So he's a human man. He's got like a little scruff on his face and, and gray hair, uh, still a very nice hairline. And yeah, your, your experience with him has largely been him kind of being protective over you in a kind of strange, not necessarily fatherly sort of way, but... He's got my back. He's got your back. Okay. I mean, he's certainly a little rough around the edges and, and direct. He's really responded to you mostly with kindness, but you have certainly seen him get frustrated with other people that he maybe doesn't have respect for. Hmm. I'll uh, not pay Bryle any mind and start moving to Arston, because I assume that you said that that's who I'm coming to meet here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had said he might have something of interest for you. Okay, and uh, I will just give a cordy, just like a very unceremonious lift-up hand non-wave, you know? And just in a low synthesized voice, and each syllable I speak, uh, the kind of like eye holes on my Warforged face light up kind of with each syllable. Mm -hmm. Oh god, I gotta think of a voice for him. Oh shit. (laughs) I'll just do a gruff, low-pitch voice. Easy enough. Arston. Arston looks up at you and, you know, kind of gives you a nod and takes a sip from his ale. I'll, uh, take a seat next to him, laying my staff and bags on my side. You called me here. He kind of leans forward. Uh, You get the sense for a second that normally he would offer you a drink, but I I don't think Warforged drink. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And especially not you, uh, with the, the way you're face is. But yeah, so he kind of leans forward. Says, yeah. Uh, you still having troubles getting work around here? Hmm. Been slow. Hard time trying to exit the country. Maybe you might have something of my interest. Don't like idle hands. He gives a nod. Yeah, I know a guy from back when I did some blacksmithing work. Uh, he's got various connections. He's kind of an idiot, but he... Seemed to be looking for someone to do some work and got in contact with me because he had heard that you and I uh, know each other. Pays well? He said it would, but he exaggerates a bit, but I have faith it'll pay decent enough. I'm going to look over at Bryle. Mm -hmm. Does it look like she's eavesdropping at all? Make a perception check. 
Oh boy, first roll of the game. Here we go. Nice. Two. <laughs> what I'll say is, as you look over, like, she seems to be paying no mind to you, uh, you know, drinking from her mug and having conversations with someone by the bar. Okay. I'll just look back to Arston. Certain this is a one-man job? He kind of gives a thought. Uh, well, I'm going to have him come in here to meet with us, and he can give a little more detail. I think so, though. Uh, he seemed like he only wanted to just hire you for it. I will say he did seem to... You're not the first person that has been hired for this. I think other people have and didn't come back, so... Certainly is dangerous. Hmm. I'll hear him out, and uh, I'll I'll wait along with him. I order a drink, but not to consume it. <laughs> uh, I order a drink and take out my water skin and fill it with with the alcohol. Okay. Yeah. The the server brings it over, does kind of give you, like, a look of, like, how is this gonna, like, <laughs> what is what is he gonna do with this? But, you know, we'll take your silvers nonetheless. Uh, and, yeah, you get the drink and pour it into your water skin. Um, most of it getting in there. I imagine pouring from a mug into a small water skin hole is not the easiest thing in the world, but, you know, you get most of it in there. Yeah, awesome. I, I'll just make idle chatter and small talk with Arston uh, in the meantime while we wait for this Job giver. Did did I get a name? He he did not give one yet. No. Okay. For it, mm. I'll trust his judgment. Yeah, the two of you talk a bit. You know, he tells some old stories about the wildest clients he's ever had and the most amazing uh, pieces of armor that he was able to bring back from the brink. Uh, as he he certainly is a man who seems glad not to be working anymore but can't stop talking about the days where he was working yeah i mostly listen but every now and then we'll throw in a one or two word question mm-hmm. like uh like if he mentions something about like clients i don't know weapon being rusty i'll be like how rusty and uh you know small <laughs> small poking pokings yeah, yeah, to show engagement and not have it just be a long lecture, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the two of you converse like that for, you know, 10, 20 minutes. You hear the door open to the tavern and Arston looks over. And, and yeah, the two of you look and see a dwarven man walking through with a red beard that kind of goes down to his feet and, and shaggy hair atop his head. You notice a comb... <laughs> like stuck in his hair uh, it seems broken so it like seems like he's trying to groom himself at least to to mix success uh his nose looks as if it's been broken more than once uh, and he wears a big smile on his face and kind of waves over to arston and arston stands as the dwarven man walks over he said ah, nice to see you amiel uh amiel this is soup Soup, Amiel. I'll stand up as a courtesy as well and extend a hand. Amiel takes her hand and he looks at you. Yeah, I heard your name, Soup. What kind of name is Soup? Soup Ladle. I'm more confused than ever. And he looks over at Arston and Arston's like... (laughs) Just gives a shrug. (laughs) I pay no mind to either comment. (laughs) Heard you have a job for me. He's like, straight to the point. I like that. I like that. Uh, and he kind of jumps in a chair next to uh, Arston. 
Yeah, I'll sit back down along with him. You know, he waves at the bartender to bring over a drink and, and gets some ale and drinks about half of it before taking a breath and saying, All right. Yeah, so there's this... How, how are you with uh, retrieving magical objects? Have you done that sort of thing before? Hmm. The odd item here and there. Okay. Nothing more than a few spell potions or enchanted weapon. Well, there's this stone. It's, it's this blue stone. It, it is magic in some way. Gives off a beautiful light. Uh, and it, it's in some caverns beneath the gutter. What you would know is the gutter is kind of the unofficial name of one of the sections of Farif. Farif is broken into different districts. There's the Bloom, which is really where most of the nobles live. There's the Source, which is kind of the magical district. There's the Rain, which is where most of the general population lives. Uh, and then there's the Storm, which is where the military resides. And in the Rain, on, on kind of the eastern side of the Rain, it's pretty poor area where there's a lot of crime, which has started to be referred to as the gutter, although not the official name. Okay. So yeah, there's these caverns beneath the gutter. You can get into them through uh, the sewer that's kind of near that big fountain there. Um, and yeah, uh, I had some men check it out, saw it, you know, and heard about it from distance. There's been stories and rumors about it for a while. I even had a previous person try to do this job who does have a little red X painted in the path you want to go through. It's an easy job, easy place to find. Just seems like something dangerous is at the end, because, uh, you know, he scratches the back of his head. The last guy didn't come back. And also the guy before him. I see that. But I have faith in you. Rumors spread. Possibly not the only one looking for it. Other hunters? Well, you know, anytime anything valuable's out there, there's gonna be more than one person looking for it. How valuable? Well, I don't know the exact price on what the thing will sell for. I have some buyers who are interested in it, you know, but it's it's the sort of thing that the most you'll get from it are, he kind of leans forward, maybe from, you know, less reputable folks. And that's where I intend to sell to, if I'm being honest with you. Hmm, I lean in uh, next to him as well and speak in a, in a quieter tone as well. If it's valuable, need incentive, why not cut out middleman, sell it myself? <laughs> kind of looks at you like, oh shit, oh. Hands been dirty before. Because I know a buyer who wants it, and you don't know that buyer. Hmm. Keep for myself. Increase the value. <laughs> he kind of gives you a long look. You know, you're kind of tilting your hand here. I'll just go hire someone else. Hmm. Very well. I am convinced. Apologies. M must squeeze out as best I can. Work hard to find. He gives a look. Listen, from what I know, it'll be hard to sell it to just traditional buyers in general. This stone is pretty valuable. I think you could probably get about 500 gold for it. The buyer I know wants it for 1,500. Hmm. I'll split that in half with you, so you'll make more than what you'd get from just an average buyer. Hmm. I lean back a bit and extend a hand. Good deal. Emil uh, takes your hand and shakes it. Yep. All right, so... Yeah, the, the spots in the gutter. You've probably been to the gutter a few times, I suppose. Not a lot. You've mo spent most of your time just in 
the rain district uh, as it's just this massive place. What you would know is there is a just massive fountain in kind of the center of the gutter. Right. And you assume that there's like it's an easy monument point where you would like be like, yes, I know where that mm-hmm. is. And there, there's a lot of crime there. Yeah, it's very unregulated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the whole area. And what? Uh, roll, roll a history check. Okie dokie. Eleven. You wouldn't know a ton about this organization, but you have at some point, especially kind of some of the jobs you've taken, heard of a crime syndicate called the Corners. And if a dirty job is being done in the city of Ferriff, there's a chance that the Corners are involved in some way or shape. And and you know that they are kind of based out of that area a bit. You don't know a ton about them beyond that, but... Do they know of me? Hmm. Or do they just, like, see me as just like, oh, another sellsword? I think probably because of the slight reputation that you've been building as, like, good (laughs) at your job and your Warforged, uh, which makes you stand out a bit. You'd assume that someone from might, might have heard of you, but no one has reached out to you. Okay, that might complicate things. Hmm. Okay, I'll cross, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Okay, I think I'm ready as I'll ever be. So, yeah, he he pretty much gave me all I need to know. Just go under the fountain by the gutter, find this blue stone, bring it back to him. Oh yeah, when I ask him, uh, where do we meet back? Um, here. Have Arston contact me, and we can be back here. Hmm. I'll get up, pick up my pack and my staff. If I am not heard from in a day. Assume I'm dead. And then I start to walk out and stop or lost interest. And then I continue. Emil seems taken aback by, you know, you just very quickly jumping on the job. He's probably used to people taking a few days before starting something like this. I'd say Arston is just like so used to you just hitting a point in a conversation where you're like, all right, it is time to act (laughs) and leaving that he pays no mind and just gives a little wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'll head out and start heading towards the gutter then. Yeah, as you, uh, you know, start walking along the streets, um, you know, the city itself is massive. Certainly one of the biggest cities uh, in the Cortian region. You look up and there's just the sight of mountains all around and cliffs kind of hanging over. Um, You see in the distance airships, all of them docked. They've been docked for a long while. I mean, for the past week, but you see some airships on the cliffside above. And yeah, you, you make your way towards the gutter. As you walk through the rain district and, you know, kind of get further and further away from the areas you're most familiar with, I'll have you make a perception check. 11. Hey, high rolling today. You walk along, and as you are are kind of nearing where the entrance to what becomes the gutter, you see a handful of guards kind of just standing in the road. Hmm. Uh, blocking the way to the fountain? Not exactly block, n- not blocking it, but kind of just standing around, talking, seeming like watching people who are coming through okay i should be right would i know enough about the corners to be able to recognize one when i see one uh because if not then i guess this won't work but i guess just like looking around i don't know if they have some kind of signature or if they've been doing i don't know like like a a mark or a sign but if they don't 
then I'm not going to worry about it. Because they are, there are a uh, crime syndicate, so I assume, you know, they have some kind of reputation, and they would want themselves to be known. But maybe not, I don't know. Yeah, I would say that you would recognize, like, one of the symbols that does often mark, like, corner-friendly spots, which is uh, simple as, like, essentially a, a triangle, a right triangle. Okay. You don't see one around here as you kind of look around. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd say you'd probably know that by now. And what do the guards look like? Like, they, they look like they're they're on the lookout, right? Yeah, a bit. Okay, so my guess is that security is up for whatever reason in this part of the gutter. What about civilians? What are any civilians nearby? And what's their jam? I mean, you know, there's a few houses around here where, you know, one or two people are maybe, like, doing their laundry. And it does seem like some people are leaving what is the gutter and then entering it. I'd say it's not a ton of people around, Mm. but certainly a few. Okay, and how armed do the guards look? Uh, the guards look armed, all wearing chainmail uh, and like nicely trimmed, um, forgetting the word, but shirts that go over it, <laughs> and uh, each each with a sword and shield. Typical uniform. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing anything suspicious, so I'm just gonna casually walk on in, head towards the fountain direction, not paying the guards any mind. I've done nothing wrong. So as as you come closer to the guards and start walking by them, you recognize one of them. Oh, shit. A well-kempt, gray-haired dwarven man. You know he's been part of the city guard for most of his life, and has also hated you ever since you've come into the city. Uh, Anytime he's found you getting into anything that looks like trouble, he's tried to push, push a bit to maybe get you behind bars. But, you know, you're able to mostly keep your nose clean, so none of his attempts have been all that successful. He just seems pretty distrusting of a war forged in the city. Yep. And you know, he recently was promoted to captain of the Eastern Reign, which is like, I guess, the official name of the area of the gutter. And he seems to be trying to clean it up some, and maybe this posting is kind of a way to just track who's coming in and out. And you know him as Donovan Morsif. Morsif. And I would know that he was promoted to captain? Is that common knowledge? I would say, yeah. You would know it because you probably had a run-in with him. Like It happened like about three weeks ago, and there was probably some awkward run-in, right, where you're like, good day, guard, right? <laughs> and he's like, it's right. captain now. <laughs> right. Uh, where he, you know, did the old, I got my eye on you. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll continue on my path. Like I said, I don't, you know, I'm pretty certain I've done nothing wrong. And uh, his gripes about me are, uh, aside, I'm still not doing anything wrong. I'll just make my way through. Yeah, he, I mean, he obviously clocks you as you walk uh, through and just has his eyes fixed on you. And you do see him kind of turn and whisper something to one of the guards next to him as you walk by and... The guard nods. I'll just uh, give him a sarcastic wave <laughs> while uh, while I'm on my way. Yeah, he just gives the stare down <laughs> uh, as, as you go along and doesn't say anything back. But yeah. Hmm. Guards in the gutter. Interesting. Yeah, I'll continue on my way. Yeah, I, I'd say, too, um, I mean, they do seem to kind of be on the outskirts of the gutter proper. 
and it is a little strange. Like, obviously, there have been guards who are part of the gutter. Uh, this does seem to be, like, a newer thing that is trying to be pushed in the city to to clean up this part of town uh as in the past it seemed like there was maybe some sort of agreement where guards would fully stay out of it right but now there are and they're kind of on the outside mm -hmm. and i'm just thinking out loud here like either they're trying to keep something in or keep people out one of the two okay interesting all right yeah i continue my way and keeping an eye out for any uh corner my, my intention is if i ever do see someone who i recognize as a corner or um an area that might seem cornery i want to seek them out essentially mm -hmm. trying to cut boreal out of his deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay you uh continue along why don't you roll a perception check all right one more come on good one this time seven that's the opposite of good. Nice. You uh, continue moving along and and move more and more into the gutter. Uh, you, you see this area, it's largely houses, although there are some taverns that, you know, at most you'd only want to get a drink in and not stay in any of the inns there, uh, as you'd probably get robbed. Right. But yeah, you, you uh, move along. And eventually, in the distance, you see what's known as the Great Fountain of Fareth. It's just a massive, massive fountain, probably about, like, you know, a hundred feet in um, diameter. And there's multiple layers to it, and water is just pouring out down to it. You see children kind of running through it, playing in it. You see uh, various folks living around gathering water for it for you know various purposes whether it be you know to wash clothes or you know just to have water to drink it seems like this is kind of a, a center point of the gutter that almost you kind of get the sense to and probably i guess you would just know this from being around the area this spot seems to be like a neutral zone <laughs> for any crime in in the gutter is just like it's like it's like uh the water in the savannah you drink mm -hmm. before anything it's yes like everyone needs the water so yeah okay yeah. sacred grounds gotcha under the fountain there's not a typical way to get under the fountain is there no what you would know is that there are like sewers that are somewhat accessible enough that uh would probably lead in that direction so you just kind of need to look around for those. Okay, I'll do so. How guarded is the, like, basically how many officials are around the fountain? Uh, officials around the fountain, what you would notice right now, there are no officials. Okay, all right. They don't seem to care about, okay. Um, knowing this, I'll go look for the nearest pothole that I can find, scouring the grounds, still keeping an eye out for any corners. Okay. Uh, well, we'll do it. Invest. This sounds like investigation. So do an investigation check. Hey, something I'm actually okay at. Hey, oh, 19. Look at that. 19. That is good. Uh, with a 19, you wouldn't see anything that like you're like, oh, yes, corners are here or corners are around. Uh, you would pretty quickly spot a manhole, you know, and in a way that's not like super. <laughs> conspicuous, you know, <laughs> of like uh, searching around trying to find an entry to the sewer. So you're able to kind of clock it without um, drawing much attention to yourself or more attention to yourself than you already are. Right, right, right. Nothing suspicious about a warforge going down in the sewers. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe that's where I lay my eggs. They don't know. <laughs> the, the the famous war-forged eggs. Yes, yep. yes. Yeah, they don't know anything about me. I could lay eggs for all they know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll make my way down and... Shit, I don't think I have... No <laughs> the one time, I don't think I have dark vision. But luckily, I have dancing lights, essentially. Okay, that's fine. So you have dancing lights? Yes. Yeah, you create up to four torch-sized lights within range, making them appear as torches, lanterns, or glowing orbs that hover in the air, sheds a dim light in a ten-foot radius. So I'll just have them, like, line up in front of me to produce a, a sort of line of light, like a 40-foot line of light in front of me as I try to navigate my way in the direction as best I can with the sewers towards under the fountain. Okay. Before that even, as you go into the sewer, are you trying to be, like, sneaky about it at all? Or are you just, like... Lift, jump in, close. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not making... I'm pretending, you know, pretend as if you belong and no one su will suspect got a it. thing. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. I'm supposed to be here. For all they know, how nonchalantly I, wa I walk in there, I could be a construction worker. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, not looking around to check for myself because I am certain of what I'm doing. Yeah, um... <laughs> sure, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'll just try to, I don't know, use my keen sense of cardinal directions to find my way to the to the fountain as best I can. Yeah, it's easy enough. Uh, like, the manhole was just, like, down a street bit, so you know, like, okay, well, I should pull up this cover and then face that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, you, you do that as you go along. I'll have you, as you're kind of, like, looking around, um, I assume for the entrance that Amiel mentioned with the red x but just an investigation check another investigation check okay okay 12 sweet question do warforged smell <laughs> what are senses like for warforged good question i know they don't breathe yeah uh let me check real quick it says i don't need to eat drink or breathe okay I'm gonna say I can smell it. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give myself smell receptors. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Why not? As some sort of cruel joke, uh, whoever made you, whenever you were made, decided to <laughs> allow you to smell. But you know, smells great uh, as well. But in this moment, it is putrid in these sewers. I guess you've probably smelled sewers before, but this this seems like uh, there's not necessarily enough water flow that gets through it to maybe push it out of the city so it does kind of pile up as to be expected yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's a shanty town yeah okay. you know so you do what you can to move through it and you smell it but at least you don't have like the uh <laughs> gag response that maybe a normal you don't have yeah. to make a constitution check to <laughs> uh, make yeah. sure you don't vomit at, at hearing the smell I'll just talk to keep myself company i guess just like plumbing backed up needs refurbishing could cost a lot of money shame king doesn't prioritize just continue on my way the dc was 10 so easy enough because you're looking for kind of a big red x that isn't that far away you move along and you see kind of an x marking a tunnel that juts out to the left and there you know there's kind of a split of you know something going forward to the right and to the left uh, and a little x by one going mm. to the left I'm going to look around if there's any signs of, aside from the red X, any signs of previous travelers going down that path. I guess this would be a survival check. You're kind of looking for tracks in the shit and dirt. Yep, yep. Ten. Ten. 
you don't see anything that looks all that obvious uh, as you look around. You get the sense that, you know, this thing fills up a lot and frequently, you know. So mm -hmm. I'll say you don't know if people have passed through it recently, mm -hmm. like in the past week or two. You can tell that nothing wrong. I see. I see a family of rats floating <laughs> down the poop river. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll say with with that, you you can tell that nothing's been through in the like, last day or two. It seems kind of covered over. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, why? Why would it? It's it's a shit tunnel. Yeah. The red X is just like in paint, I assume. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I'll, I'll head on in. There's my mark. Yeah, you uh, kind of lean over and start moving through the... Actually, before I do, my dancing lights can move up to 60 feet away from me and 20 feet between them. So, like, each one has to be 20 feet from each other. Mm -hmm. So, if I do my math right, that means I can have the fourth and final dancing light. I don't even know if I could see that far, but um, 140 feet away. Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to push my dancing lights down the tunnel, starting with the first one, which will be 60, then 80, then 100, then 120, then 140. Okay. Is there anything I can see down that tunnel? Uh, just roll perception. Okay, okay. And this also leaves me in the pitch black. Mm -hmm. So I can't see anything around me, but I sure I sure can see things down there. Four. You, yeah, you don't really see anything right. of note looks, at this moment. Looks safe. I'll travel down the path and catch up with my dancing lights. Okay. And continue to uh, bring them back to their, like, original, like, one on me so I can see around myself and then three more in front as a makeshift flashlight. Okay. You uh, move along, and probably after about 100 feet of walking, you would notice that, like, the wall to your left seems... Like, there's a little pathway that way. Like, it's no longer kind of the sewer aesthetic, and it's starting to look just like, almost like a little cave. Mm. That's That looks like the way to go. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll head that direction. Dancing lights still in front of you in various? Yeah, it is a cantrip, so once it runs out, I can just recast it. Awesome. Now, the this cave, it looks like a natural cave? This part of it, yes, yeah. Okay, and how does it connect with the sewers? Like, the these sewer, I assume, pipes, do they just, like, run out of segments, or is it more like uh, these, like, it's been broken up? Here it seems like it's been broken, so that maybe this pipe had gone through a natural cave and that someone has gone in. Yeah, or this was a dead end and someone blew out the back mm -hmm. into this cave. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to use one of my spells. I'm going to cast Glyph of Warding. Basically, I put a glyph on a wall or floor, and I can store either a bomb, essentially, or a spell okay. into it. And I can choose what triggers it, uh, like something within a certain amount of area. I'll just pick an explosive rune. So it's going to cover kind of my trail uh, in a 10-foot diameter. I'll just do where I was walking. So I simply take out of my pouch kind of what looks to be some, like, glowy salts. And I sprinkle it around in a circle and draw a rune. And the rune vanishes. So anyone who steps in that 10-foot diameter will take... That's not very good. 21, let's say... Lightning damage. 
Okay. Because I get to choose the damage. Cool. And the explosion, the explosion itself is a 20-foot radius. Okay. So they have to make a dexterity saving throw, DC 14, or take 20, uh, half on a success. All right. Just covering, covering my back <laughs> before I head in. All right. Uh, you cast Glyph of Warding and uh, jump down or kind of go through the pathway into the cave? Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Oh, uh, yeah, you move ahead probably 10, 15 feet, and, you know, the light's still on you, and you can see now ahead of you with your dancing lights, it seems like this path goes about 10, 15 feet and then opens into a much bigger cavern of which there seems to be a pretty large drop. Uh, you could send your dancing lights to get a bit of a sense of how big of a drop. Yeah, I'll do so. How far is it? How far down does it go? Yeah, it goes about 60 feet. 60 feet. You know what? Luckily, I have Featherfall, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> I'll simply pull out a feather from my pack, kind of rub it on myself as my body lights up, and gently, softly fall down. Sweet. Yeah. You know, just kind of leaning forward and, you know, stepping ahead. You cast a spell and slowly fall down uh, to the bottom of the cavern. Yeah. Okay, and what's it look like to hear down at the bottom now that I'm closer? Here it's like probably, you know, the the walls go out about like 70, 80 feet. Uh, you kind of look around and uh, it, it seems like maybe there used to be pools of water here, but they have moved maybe, they've been drained out in some way, whether natural or by humans, you have no idea. And as you look ahead, you do see a little cave entrance uh or exit i suppose pathway ahead of you oh how how does it look like an exit like is there light coming from it when I, I when i said exit i mostly just meant pathway like a way out of this cavern oh okay okay my bad travel too easy so far client mentioned difficulty towards the end Ooh, i'm gonna cast mage armor on myself <laughs> i'm getting paranoid all right so now my AC, uh, instead of the 10 that it is, will now be 13, because uh, 13 plus my dex mod would actually be 12, but my Warforge gives me plus one, so it's 13. Okay. And that lasts an hour? That will last uh, eight hours. Eight hours. Nice. Major armor. Good stuff. So basically the entire mission. Nice. Roll a perception check for me. Okay, okay. 19. Sweet. Uh, you notice a few things with this. First, you would notice... Up ahead in the path, you can hear kind of the soft squeaking of what sounds like rats. It does seem like deeper than what you'd normally expect from a rat, which I, I suppose would make you assume these might be bigger <laughs> than, than uh, the normal stuff above. But yeah, uh, the other thing you hear is above and behind you, an electric explosion. Oh, <laughs> all right. And a yell uh, from what sounds like a man and then a thump. Oh, my trap worked. Uh, <laughs> I make a mental note of that. Continue on my way. And I'm going to reach into my pocket and pull out a ration. I don't want to rate waste magical resources on a rat. So I've got one day's rations. I don't need it. So I'll pull it out, you know, kind of like nuts and berries mm -hmm. and approach the low rat noises. Yeah. Are you trying to do it stealthily or just? No, no, no. I just walk 
casually. Okay. I don't mind any sort of noise that I'm making. Uh, as you walk forward, you know, holding what food you have, not worrying about the noise you're making, you do kind of hear the sounds stop. And then I suppose you have your dancing lights. So you first see kind of the glare of three sets of eyes. And then you see them kind of slowly moving toward you through the little passageway and coming out into this larger cavern. And you see three rats, probably about like two feet tall. So so pretty big, you know, mangy all around, big teeth ready for chomping. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I thought so. Okay, I'm going to lay the food at my feet and then step away from it, not backwards from the way I came, but like sideways. My What I'm trying to do... I'm hoping anyway, whether it'll work or not. What I'm attempting is if the rats go for the food, I won't have to like go over them. I can just go around them. Mm -hmm. But that's what I do. I I lay the food at my feet kind of like on one side of the wall, then go over to the others, you know, the other wall on the other side of the cave. Okay. This calls for the least loved role in D&D, which is animal handling. It never happens, but let's do it. Let's go listen to animal handling check. <laughs> never happens? All right. Ha, 19. 19. Okay. 19. You lay it down, and they kind of sniff it and seem interested in it. Two of them come over to the food fully dedicated. Uh, the third kind of gets about halfway and is still keeping an eye on you. Not fully enticed by it, but doesn't seem aggro. Okay. Yet, at least. I'm going to go ahead and start walking around them. Okay. Just like continuing on my path, walking past them while the two of them are eating with their food. And I'm not concerned about the third one. Okay. I I make sure not even to look at them. Just like walk along with purpose. Uh, All things act like you're supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. You continue along. You start to hear the two rats... uh, start munching and you do not hear like frantic scurries of the third running towards you to try to hit you in the back that's good <laughs> and, and yeah you you move along as you do start walking through this passageway you see the spot where you assume the rats were which uh is they seem to have been coming from where a corpse was uh this corpse seems pretty picked over and eaten it's mostly just bones now you do notice clothes you know next to it and armor next to it uh, why don't you roll this will just be i suppose just give me an intelligence check intelligence i'm assuming this is one of the older clients 19 yeah the, the dc is very low yeah <laughs> very nice uh yeah the the clothes look like not that old it doesn't seem like you know normally when you see a skeleton you're like oh this must have been here forever but it seems like okay yeah these rats really ate over this thing that's probably not been here for long so you assume that yeah some unfortunate previous client fell fell to the rats yeah but rats even large ones are not big trouble and i'm just thinking out loud whoever killed this guy like if 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 there was internal monologue with uh soup ladle this would be what he would Mm -hmm. say so whatever killed this person is stronger than a rat clearly um i don't anticipate if clients were sent here on such a difficult task i don't think they would have a lot of trouble with rats so I don't suspect the rats. One thing you would notice with a 19, the skeleton, like its leg seems broken. Hmm. It's just kind of snapped in half. Rats don't mutilate bodies. Whoever did this is very strong. 
I'm gonna take in the room. Is there anything like on the on the ceiling? Uh, in this passageway? Yeah. Nothing really of note here. Okay. Uh, you know, some droplets of water will come down every once in a while, and yeah, but nothing that really stands out to you. Okay. All right. All right. I continue down my path. I am <laughs> very nervous. Not Suplato. Suplato is not nervous. Joe is very nervous. <laughs> You continue along, and and you can tell that the angle right now is certainly going down, getting a little bit deeper, and sometimes sort of winding almost like in a circle, like a spiral down. Probably walk about 10, 15 minutes, and eventually you come up to a split in the path, one that goes to the left and one that goes to the right. Hmm. I am going to... Take a rock, take two rocks and throw them down either direction. Just kind of to, I don't know, hear the echoes, I guess. Okay. Down each path. Hmm. I like that. I think this will be a survival check, but as you're using this rock sort of thing to aid you, I'm going to give you advantage because I like that. It's creative. Ah, sweet. All right. Let's roll two. Oh, thank goodness, because that would have been a nat one. I rolled a 13. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'd say with a 13... What you notice is the one to the left seems like it rolls a little further. Now, if that is because you threw it a little harder or the, the rock maybe was bigger or whatever smaller, it, it's you don't know for sure, for sure, but it does seem like it goes a little bit further and rolls a little bit further. Mm. I believe in chance and fate. I'll take the left path. Okay. And before I do, I'm going to check behind me. Roll perception. Yeah. 11. Yeah, you don't notice much or anything. And the rats haven't come back. Uh, Yeah, at this point, you're pretty far from the rats, and it seems like if they had any interest in you, that is gone. Okay, continue down the way. All right. The the left, yeah, I'm going down the left path, the one where the rock rolled further. All right, Uh, you you continue down the left. It keeps spiraling down. Uh, You just feel yourself constantly kind of continuing, like, uh, you know, the path seems to be veering to the left, uh, and and you assume that you're kind of going in one big circle deeper and deeper down. Eventually, you know, as you look ahead, you see from this distance, it looks like another light, a little brighter than any of your dancing lights that you've had up Mm. in the distance. And it seems like it leads into another kind of cavernous area yeah i'll dismiss my dancing light seeing that this place is lit up head on in okay well as you move in to this room yeah you see the tunnel opening up into a larger cavern and at the center of this space you see a blue stone that is hovering above what is kind of like a natural pedestal the blue stone is emitting a light in all direction, and it kind of lights up the room pretty well. You see pools of water are spread throughout it, and and they kind of almost create like an island where this blue stone is floating. Hmm. Just under my breath, found you. Boy, I wish I had Mage Hand right now. I'm going to circle around the area physically, actually walk around the blue, kind of like the outer, like, radius, Mm -hmm. just to make sure to take a deliberate step basically checking if there's anything you know on foot activated in this outer area and you're you're walking on the ground i assume not like yes touching the water yes 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 uh yeah as you do a loop you do not notice anything get activated Hmm. 
I'm going to walk up to the stone, but not take it. Get very close and, I don't know, eyeball it. Kind of like looking at it closer, inspecting it. Okay. Uh, do you step through the water to do that? Ooh, how's it, how deep does it look? As you look at it, there certainly seems like spots that you'd be able to walk through. I'll walk along the shallow path, I guess, of the water. Okay. And hold my staff pointed down at the water. And I'm going to keep an eye on the water while I walk. All right. You uh, take a step into the water and then another getting closer and closer to the blue stone. On about your fifth step, though, a tendril comes up from the water, reaches out, and seems like it's trying to grab your leg. Okay. Does. A 14 hit. Ah, just does, yes. Okay. Okay. Shit. Tendril sweeps out from the water and wraps around your leg. You see kind of emerging from behind you is... Almost, uh, how to best describe it? Um, like an el- elemental of some kind, which, you know, uh, roll, roll. Arcana. Arcana. 18. Yeah, you would know this as kind of a lesser elemental that is frequently referred to as a water weird. Uh, almost has like a dragonish look through it with water spikes on the back and a maw that would like probably bite down hard on you if there were actual teeth. Okay. Uh, and yeah, one of his tendrils is just wrapped around your leg. Can I try to shock the tendril? Or attack the tendril, rather. Yeah, I mean, I'd say you had, uh, you know, your stuff readied for it. Okay. It does hit you, so you do take a little damage. All right. You take eight points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. And while it has it wrapped around me and kind of flinging me around, I'm going to cast Shocking Grasp. I uh, lift my staff kind of pointed downwards onto the tendril that is wrapped on my leg, and I'm going to try and just, like, jam my staff head into it. Okay. So you are grappled. You are restrained. Oh, and this shit. this technically is a melee, right? I mean, it's a melee spell attack. This is this is melee. It is touch yeah. range, so, yes. So this will be a disadvantage if you do Okay, this. all right. <laughs> 19. Uh, 19 will hit, yeah. Nice. Okay. And it will take a whopping two two lightning damage. However, uh, it also can't take reactions until the start of its next turn. Cool. I will now have you roll initiative. Hell yeah. Here we go. Uh, 11. Uh, it... (laughs) It also rolled an 11. Uh, We'll we'll do the dex thing. Uh, What is your dex? My dex is negative one. Okay. Its dex is three. So it is going to act first. Okie dokie. It is going to start kind of trying to like pull you down a bit. Like try to get you to your knees and is aiming to get you just under the water. Okay. Seemingly trying to drown you. So I'm going to have you roll a strength check. Strength check. Okay. Or uh, saving throw. Saving throw. Okay. So that would be a 21 in that case. Yeah. You uh, feel it trying to kind of pull you down, trying to get you under uh, its instinct to drown you, of which it it doesn't have any actual hope of doing. (laughs) As it kind of pulls down on you, it doesn't seem like it. uh, you're able to just widen your stance and uh, not let it get you down. Right. Okay. I'm simply going to... Jeez, uh, I'm still grappled, aren't I? Yeah. 
So I'm gonna try and break out of the grapple. Okay. Actually, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna break out of the grapple. Let's see if I can do some free damage. I'm gonna take my quarterstaff and bop it on the head. I assume mm-hmm. at disadvantage while I'm grappled. Yep. Boop. Ah, that's a crit fail. Uh, yeah, as you kind of swing down, like it's moved, like it did pop up for a second to g- kind of growl at you. It kind of like moved its main form back down into the water as it tried to pull you down. And you just like swing down at the water and just your quarterstaff splashes along. Okay. All right. Well, luckily I still have a bonus action. And with that bonus action, I'm going to cast Misty Step. Okay. Which allows me to teleport away. (laughs) All right. And I'm going to just teleport right up next to the pedestal where the stone is. Okay. Yeah, you uh, teleport next to the stone, and it uh, loses its grapple on you. That will be my turn. It is going to move towards you, obviously. Yeah, I thought so. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, it will kind of... It, it'll actually just move down into the water, and you lose sight of it as it goes further down and seems to... Be swaying around waiting for you in some capacity. Okay. Uh, And that's going to be its turn. I'm simply going to grab the stone and pocket it. All right. The lights in this room do completely, if you pocket it, the light is gone. Um, All right. I'll I'll hold it out then with with my offhand. Okay. Where oriented would you say the, the exit is? Is the elemental in the way of the exit? Or in the direction towards the exit, rather? From last you knew, yes, where kind of the way you had walked through was closest to the path ahead. Okay, so I'm going to grab the stone. I'm going to use a bit of my movement to get to the edge of the water, and I'm going to cast Misty Step again to teleport across the water and use the rest of my movement to run out to the exit. Okay, and how much movement do you have? Uh, so it took me 15 to get there, so I have 15 left. So you have 15 left. As soon as you do teleport by the water, uh, it seemed like a readied action from the water weird, it will make an attack on you. God, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Okay, all right, do your worst. 22 to hit. Oh, yeah, easily. <laughs> oh, that was... Terrible fucking damage. Uh, a 3d6, a 1, a 2, and a 1. Uh, <laughs> that'll do 7 damage. Okay. And yeah, its tendril is wrapped around you. Okay. You do not get the last 15 feet of it, unfortunately. Ah, uh, okay. Also, as you look ahead, you see standing in the pathway is a young dwarven woman, black hair, braided. Ah, oh, Brile. She kind of, like, looks at you holding the stone and <laughs> looks at you wrapped up. Uh, all right. I'm <laughs> just going to shout out to her. Thought somebody triggered the trap. Hope it didn't hurt too bad. Wasn't me. It was some guard following you. Interesting. A bit occupied. Could use some help. Up to you. Uh, roll, <laughs> roll a persuasion check. All right. Ten. Okay. With a ten, what I'll say is she will look at you. What's the offer, then? Hmm. My cut of the gold. I want the credit. You get the pay. Uh, is this the truth? 
this is the truth. I intend, and if I don't do it, then you are allowed to kill my character at the end. <laughs> Got it. So th this is the truth. All right. This is the truth. I do fully intend on paying her to help me out of this, so long as I am known as the one who got the stone. Okay. She will nod and run next to you and uh, with a battle axe, take a swing at the water weird, kind of in the water, hmm. which is peeking out a bit. Could be a disadvantage, but I'll still hit. She hits it and you see kind of the water split a bit and it seems to be hurt, although certainly seems resistant to maybe slashing damage. Take some damage. Okay. It is going to try to pull you back into the water. Uh, so make another strength saving throw. Oh boy. 14. It's not like a fully like thrown into the water, but your feet do slide back a bit. So your feet are currently in the water. Shit. I wish I could shocking grasp and misty step in the same turn. Uh, <laughs> but I can't because I'm not a sorcerer. <laughs> if only. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bombard it with a bunch of magic missiles. Hell yeah. I'm going to hold my staff out, kind of like, with both hands pointed vertically downwards towards the elemental. And you can see that it lights up, and a rapid-fire arcane beam shoots out. As I'm going to cast Magic Missile at third level, Hell which yeah. fires five of them. Okay. Bam! 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 Let's see, that's four, 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 two, and two. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Pretty all right. What is that? That's um 16. Yeah, you uh blast a few more holes into it. Uh, <laughs> uh, that do seem to fill up, but it does seem like whatever essence of this is starting to look a bit bad. So I don't know how this works with magic missile. Here, you can you can read this. So power surge is what you want to use. Mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming this is, uh, it just adds once because even though I've shot five magic missiles, it counts as casting magic missile once. Yeah, and it's once per turn. When I when I deal damage, yes, once per turn. So I'm going to go ahead and add that plus three. So yep. now the 16 is now a 19. Nice. Yeah, that'll be my turn. Just, just laying in a little bit more damage. Cool. Next up is your rival. Uh, rival turned friend. <laughs> Ryle will make an attack, uh, which unfortunately she misses as she kind of swings uh, and will just, yeah, splash in some water and she will yell, mm. shit. I just let out a, a condescending, too much lift, need balance on legs. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, that, that'll be her. Water weird is up. It is going to kind of try to grab you with another water tendril, uh, maybe oh, get a better... Grabs pull on you. Uh, so it's going to make an attack on you. A 17. It doesn't hit me because as this other tendril comes out, I'm going to cast shield as I wave my staff in front of me and I glow with a very dim light that covers me like an outline. And my AC goes up by 5, which turns my AC to an 18. Hell yeah! <laughs> it just bounces off. It kind of like lifts its head and hisses at you. Briar looks impressed. Mm -hmm. she, but quickly tries to not let that show on her face. Of course, of course. Uh, you're up. Okay. Would I know if elementals can be blinded? Roll an intelligence check. Okay, yeah, because I, I don't even know that out of game. Nine. Um, you know, you think you could certainly try. I could certainly try. The best way to know. Mm -hmm. Huh. 
I don't know if this would work since it's in the water. Well, again, I guess I could try. Okay, I'm going to cast Gust to try and push away the water weird from me. Okay. Yeah, I hold out my staff and a tiny cyclone comes out of the orb at the tip and kind of burst out like a shotgun of air. As you do that, it does hit it hard. You don't fully get a sense for its entire form as you haven't seen it move totally out of the water. Uh, it is large though. So I think this only affects medium or smaller. Oh, so it just seems a little okay. too big to, to be pushed away from it, unfortunately. Well, shit. Um... <laughs> That'll be my turn for now. This fucking grapple sucks. Yeah, grapple, everyone's favorite fucking uh, <laughs> thing in D&D. Let's go. All right, uh, Ryle will make another attack. Uh, nat 20. Let's go, Ryle. Hey, nice. <laughs> nice job, Ryle. All right. Uh, embarrassed with just splashing water on the last, just gives a massive heave uh, down uh, to, to slam on it and does considerable damage that does seem to be reduced i just uh speak out well done seems humility is a good motivator uh it certainly is starting to look a little bad not fully bad it seems though uh you know where certain things definitely have a uh, care for their own life it seems like this has the sole job of protecting the orb so anytime you've done damage it hasn't necessarily done anything to dissuade it from trying to get you i'll say desperate in this attack it will reach a tendril out to lash at brile after you being ineffective with your gust <laughs> mm. uh, and her getting a nice hit uh, it will go after her for this one all right, and she takes a fair bit of damage, but it's still up. All right, uh, and she also has it wrapped around her leg. Okay, well, seeing as this is a nice opportunity, I'm going to Misty Step, once again, mm -hmm. away into the tunnel, and I'm going to use my action to disengage <laughs> so that it cannot take an attack of opportunity on me. Okay. And I'm going to leave Brile. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, you misty step in disengage, <laughs> seeing this opportunity present itself that you, you will get both the money and uh, the glory. Uh, she kind of looks back at you and is like, S, S, come on, help, help! And are you just walking away? Am I? I just shout out to her. I have given you my offer. What is yours? <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> All right. And that'll be my turn, because I, I actually can't do anything. I'll be yeah, sure to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, after I misty step, to take a safe distance away as well from the water weird. Yeah. So, yeah, you're you're about 30 feet away from it. Mm -hmm. She will make another attack on the water weird for her turn, which hits and does a little damage. Not a ton of damage. And she kind of looks at like how ineffectual her strikes are being as she's like being pulled in closer and closer. She's like, we split the money in half and you can get all the glory. Mm, I keep the money. You live. That's how soup feels, correct? Yes. The soup, okay. uh, soup ladle says this out loud mm -hmm. to her. This is not like a trend. Like he, he does not care that much for her. Li like, <laughs> yeah. Because the, now he would have given the money but the situation has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now she requires his help and he needs something from her yeah. now as just as she has from him. 
she kind of like looks at soup and like knows that maybe someone else, someone different could have that human appeal, right? <laughs> of or like that, you know, humanoid appeal of like, hey, uh, but the relationship you have and also just how kind of one minded soup has been knows that that is not something that your relationship calls for. And you see her just nod. All right. Yeah, and I guess I'll wait for my turn, unless it's my turn now. It is the water weird's turn, and it is going to attempt to pull her underwater. So she has to make a strength check. Two uh, plus not much. All right. Uh, she is pulled underwater. Shit. Okay. As a player, this feels awful. <laughs> As a character, it's cool. As a oh, player, yeah. oh no. Yeah. This is the closest I've ever played to like a selfish adjacent uh, character who's not like inherently trying to help people. Mm-hmm. Does it do anything else or is it my turn? Uh, it is your turn. Okay, I'll get to the edge of the water and I'll look down to aim for the water weird and I'm going to cast lightning bolt. Yeah! All right. 18. Wait, no, no, that's the... De- Sorry, it has to make a uh, dex saving throw. Dex saving throw. Uh, DC 14. The damage is 18, which is awful, but... It is an 18. It is a 10 plus 3, 13. <laughs> nice. So it is a fail. Yeah, it'll do 18 damage. 18 lightning damage. Lightning damage. And you kind of point down. It, it is like harder to see as it is like, it's not fully submerged, but it more like looks like ripples in the water. The best way you can tell kind of where it is, is the way that uh, Brile is like squirming about, you know, and like mm-hmm. being moved towards using your staffer hand staff okay just like pointing it downwards into the water after i do that i'm going to holster it leave the stone at the edge and jump in after her as you put it down and you see that she seems to be freed from it she's still underwater in pretty heavy armor and not that big you know as a dwarf or or a good swimmer so she's certainly submerged and not doing a great job of getting back up uh you you dive in yep yep to try and help her as best i can i guess yeah, I imagine you're not much of a swimmer either. <laughs> Probably not. As a warforged. I'd assume, though, because you can breathe and shit underwater, you're more of just like walk walk the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're able to kind of jump in and she kind of like reaches out for you and you're able to help like lift her up a bit so she gets her head up and, you know, start moving uh, back in. And if I can't reach the bottom, then I guess I'll just be hanging at the edge, like, just like hand on the edge, reaching down into the water. Yeah. And it's not like that terribly deep, you know, where you had originally walked through is maybe like knee height. It seems like where the water weird was pulling her is deeper. Right, right, right. So, you know, this is probably like you're just submerged from this like slightly deeper area. I mean, how, how tall? Oh, he's seven feet tall. Okay. Yeah. So like the top of your head is out. <laughs> so not not terribly deep. Yeah, and it, so okay, so if I if I lean in, I very much easily could. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yes, I'll help her up and try to push her out of the water. Yeah, you're able to do that, and uh, it, it seems that your lightning bolt, which by the way did the exact damage that it had left, uh, eighteen. Nice. <laughs> was able to vanquish the water weird. As you're like pulling her out and like looking in the water, you do see like 
some bones kind of at the bottom, ah. which you imagine were from other things that the yep, water yep. weird has killed over time and other people that were hired for this. Yeah. Both of you get out of the water. She takes some big heaves and spits them out and just kind of sits there for a little bit breathing. I pay her no mind. I pick up the stone, just letting it emit the light, and I'll look to her if one of the job should have taken it yourself. She just looks at you. Why come here? Seemed like an opportunity. It's not about taking jobs. It's people aren't giving me jobs anymore. No work's hard to find, and people are going to you far more than me. Hmm. I'm gonna... Suplato just, like, thinks on this a bit and casts Dancing Lights again to, while he pockets the, the orb, and he's gonna go over and extend a hand to Bryle. Extra hands could help with extra work. More efficient that way. I was definitely not in my best element. Be a good business opportunity. She kind of looks at you and is trying to get a read on you. I think the people she's used to dealing with are very much not like you at all. <laughs> and eventually gives a little nod, takes her hand, and lets you help her up. And uh, I'll start to lead us out. And on the way, just like make conversation. Fuck, playing this character's hard. Like, I don't <laughs> want to be an asshole. Jesus. <laughs> but I also do want to be an asshole. Yeah. Um... While while we begin to walk out, uh, Soup Later will just say to Bryle, Apologies for turning Scheme back on you. Saw opportunity to teach lesson. Maybe a bit harsh. She gives a nod. Maybe lesson not even worth learning. But felt good. She smiles at that. You don't need to believe this, and it's easy for me to say this now, but I would have helped you anyway. Hmm. But I didn't need to be a dick about it. Okay. All right. Make a mental note of that as I lead us continually. I'll prod her about the guards. You said guards were trailing me. How many? I only saw one. I've been trailing you since the bar, but yeah, kind of around that checkpoint, one of them peeled off and started following you after you passed. Seemed like a threat? Seemed like he was keeping an eye. Could be a threat. You know guards around here. Think there are repercussions for his injuries? Well, he's not dead, if that's what you mean. There's no way he can prove that it was you that did it. Hmm. Might cause trouble. Donovan, stick up his ass. She uh, kind of gives like a laugh snort to that. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he does. Yes, he does. And I'll continue to lead us out of the cave and sewers. You move along, you know, you, you pass where the, the paths had split previously and just continue forward. And then eventually you move back into that cavern where you had been before. You see that the rats, the three rats, all have arrows in the side of their neck. And, you know, as you kind of look at that, you see also a bow strapped around Bryle. Uh, you just get the sense that she probably shot them from a distance or from up above. Hmm. You also see a rope kind of hanging down from the cavern way that you assume she climbed down. Uh, I just, uh, nod of approval. Resourceful. She shrugs. Wow. Now, everyone has rope. We might might as well use it, right? All of us get explorer's packs or whatever, and all of them have rope in it, you know? Be surprised how many forget to check their packs. <laughs> many contents go unused. <laughs> She smiles and, uh, yeah, starts climbing up. Yep. I'll follow along. Yeah, I'll have uh, you make a strength check. The DC's low, oh, God. but, Okay, you know. yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Mostly just a nat one check here. Hey, nat 20. That's a okay. 22. <laughs> you know, you're you're strong enough. I walk vertically up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, some classic Batman-esque stuff of, of just moving upwards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and the two of you get up quickly enough, move forward in, in the cavern, and yeah, get back into the sewers. 
as you pass where you left your little trap, you do see the guard who seemed to trigger it is still there. He seems passed out and kind of like leaning up against the wall. I'll, I'll say like just easily enough, like it's not the sort of position someone would be in after just hitting the trap. Right. Uh, you make the assumption that Bryle like checked on him to see if he was alive, maybe did a thing or two to help stabilize him and then just like right. leaned him up against it to make it so he didn't, you know, choke on literal shit in the sewers. I'm going to take out my water skin that I filled with alcohol and I'm going to leave it by his side and I'm going to write a little note <laughs> for taking the trap and then just like lay it there next to him. <laughs> okay. Leave him a little little treat. Yeah. Uh, you continue along. Uh, and yeah, uh, you, you, you move through the one tunnel and then back into the bigger one and uh, are able to see the grate that you originally moved through in the first place. Yeah. I'll take the lead. And yeah, as if not even looking around, not like open, not peeking to check, just open up the pothole or grate, go out with an all casual nature mm-hmm. and wait for Bryle to follow. Yeah. The two of you move forward just with all the confidence in the world. For a second, Bryle seems like, don't you want to like sneak stealth? And it's like, okay, that's not what he does. All right. <laughs> and just tries to follow with your same level of confidence as the two of you uh, emerge into the street. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we are here as well, I'm going to cast Prestidigitation to get rid of the filth and water and, like, muck from both of us. Yeah. As soon as, like, she gets out, you know, she's just wiping off her clothes and you presto uh, yourselves clean and uh, look like you weren't just in a sewer. (laughs) As you move up and emerge out into the street, immediately you are taken by something happening at the fountain. It seems like a lot of people are gathering over by it, looking confused, speaking loudly. And as you look, it seems like no water is spurting from it anymore. Mm, I thought so. I'm going to just like look on over and just say to Bryle, the crystal was creating water for these people. Seemed like a source was guarded to keep that source. She nods. Mm. <laughs> and I start to make my way Back to Arston without a second thought. (laughs) She kind of gives a look and, you know, she seems conflicted about it, more conflicted about it in this moment than you, but does not, like, uh, ultimately try to protest against it or give you any sort of judgment for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah, I'll make my way back to, to Arston at the bar, at the tavern. Okay. Uh, are you taking the same path back? Yeah, sure, why not? Okay. It's one I'm comfortable with. You move along and, and head down the street. A lot of people seem to be congregating around this fountain, uh, a little scared and panicked of what's going on as you continue along. You get to the point that's kind of where the gutter starts, uh, where you had seen Donovan, and it seems like some people from the gutter have come over and are, are telling the guards of, of what happened and what's going on as you continue walking along. You're just walking. You're not. I'm just walking, not paying any <laughs> mind. I got to be somewhere. Donovan is certainly talking to people and, like, sees you. 
obviously in his head, you're assuming based on how he almost always blames you for things. He he's trying something. to, yeah, he's trying to find a way to blame you, but it's also like, how, like how, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> he looks at you and, and does not do anything about it in this moment. It seems like in a moment where he could kind of come up to you, start questioning or go to the fountain to try to help figure out what's going on. He decides to go to the fountain to help people figure out what is going on. Mm, that bodes well. Whew. Okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Continue on my way. You make your way back to the forlorn foam and head head into the tavern. And you see still sitting at the same table. I mean, it's probably only been about like, you know, an hour and a half, all things considered. Maybe two to three hours, probably. So you mm -hmm. haven't been gone that long. Uh, you do see Arston still sitting at the same table and uh, Emil sitting next to him, chatting. Uh, where originally you thought maybe uh, he would have had to be called. He seems like he stayed there and you did the job quick enough. And he's really just been knocking back a few and seems certainly in his cups a bit. Mm. And I simply go up, sit down, and uh, kind of... Make sure that the stone is wrapped in something so that it doesn't emit a light in the entire place. And slide it on the table over to Emil. Mm -hmm. Without a word, just slide it over. He uh, kind of looks at it. He's like, whoa. <laughs> that was, that was uh, fast. And he covers it up. All right. Mm. Well. And my payment? Uh, I mean, y you'll get the payment when I sell it, you know? And then I'll pay you. Hmm. Can I insight that? Uh, yeah, you can insight it. Uh, eight. Oh, God. No. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to read. Like, he doesn't seem like he's being dishonest. Okay. I'll just have to take his word for it. I'll get up from my seat and look over to Bryle and just look at him. Don't pay me. Pay her. Uh, she kind of gives you a look. And I just nod at her. My share. Her. Thank you. And then I pick up my things, uh, look over to Arston, and give him just a little little wave. Thank you for the job. Know where to find me if there's another one. Might be a few more after this one. Tell you the story later. When I give, just I, Emil, one more time, and just give a little like a little bow, and I'm gonna head on my way out. Emil seems a little taken aback, and ultimately gives a nod. All right, your payment goes to her. Arston just, you know, gives you a little cheers and says, see ya, soup. And then, yeah, you uh, walk out. Thus, another job well done. <laughs> yeah, uh, with with the glory of a job, uh, you know, knowing your ability uh, of what you can do and building your reputation more and more, you step out with some pride. I don't concern myself with the moral ramifications of what I did. <laughs> Yeah. I uh, take in the satisfaction that I was able to do it mm -hmm. and that I did it well, yeah. even if I needed a little bit of help. Just a little. Not much. You did more helping in the end. <laughs> but yeah, you step out, start walking back to where you live in the city. And I think that's where we're going to end this session. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, though. Uh... A fun, a fun character 
to play as, especially for a one-shot where you don't have to piss off other players. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this kind of character can only work in a one-on-one -on -one game, which was like, this yeah. is my opportunity to do whatever ever the hell I want. Be an asshole. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, you made the world a slightly worse place. Nice. <laughs> but you got some reputation. And who yeah. knows, the, the next job could be a better one. Man, I, I feel like I can do anything. <laughs> like like when, when my dad told me growing up as a kid, like, you can do anything you set your mind to it. I'm like, yeah, and now now I feel that. You know, <laughs> even if it was something that left a large population of people who were <laughs> struggling to get by uh, worse off. Yeah. What I love, too, is that just the idea also that this will escalate the Donovan soup uh, ladle like uh, hatred and suspiciousness even more. What are you talking about? I went to the fountain. The fountain ran out of water, so I left. I mean, exa exactly. Like, uh, you know, he'll have nothing that he can hit you with fully, nope. you know, like. And I was ready for it too. I was ready if he was gonna confront me and ask me, I would have been like, came came for the fountain. Fountain has no water. Yeah. And, the, and even with that, like, you know, if they go to the spot, they'll just find a cavern with water in it yeah. and a little pet you know like there's nothing nothing <laughs> at most you'd be detained for a bit but yeah, probably uh, most likely get out of it but yeah certainly moving moving what may become a chess game between the two one day even though uh soup is not playing chess <laughs> like no <laughs> he is blunt as a brick yeah anyway uh we, we can talk about this some more in uh the post show after the roll but for all of you listening thank you so much i appreciate you very very much uh this was a fun one. Joe thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for running this for me. Yeah, I, I love doing one-shots. I love doing one-on-one -on -one sessions because I get to play with so many awesome people. And, and yeah, this, this has been a pleasure. If you ever want to run another one uh, together, like... I, I do definitely play more energetic characters or more <laughs> more like expressive ones than this. This was my first time trying to play more of a straight man, like to the very end. Yeah. So maybe that's not too exciting to listen to. I think it'll be a fun one. But yeah, as you are saying, I would love to have you back as a guest anytime. Absolutely, you'd want to be on. Uh, th this has been a blast. Yeah, if ever, if ever the opportunity presents itself, and you're like, "Hey, let's do a one where you're not monotone <laughs> Robo Man," then uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, thank you all for listening, uh, and I hope you have a great day and/or night. And I will see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. All right, it's that time again to thank the patrons in the Heroes of Quartia tier and see what those heroes have been getting up to. Let's go. First, we have Lyra, a drow bloodhunter that became extremely overwhelmed after entering the city of Lens. So she ran off in search of a quiet place to hide and found herself in the Temple of Timora, which caused her to remember that which she had forgotten. Dara, the man who saved her, he wasn't always her hero. For a long time, he had been set to guard her, to keep her from leaving, to keep her in their hands, in the hands of the children of decay. She took a step back, taking deep breaths, and then fell to her knees in front of the statue. She reached in her pockets and pulled out the coin Dara had given her when they made their escape. The face on it was a perfect match to the statue in front of her. She remembered back to when he had placed it in her hand and simply said, 
Now go make your own luck. Then there is Hatton, the half-elf sorcerer, who after causing a little bit of mischief within Teldwith, signed on with a group of other folks trying to make a somewhat honest living to investigate a burnt-out house on the edge of the city. While inspecting the house, the rest of the party waved it away as simple arson, but Hatton could tell there was more to it. This fire was clearly from a dragon, and the large claw prints in the dirt a little ways away from the husk of a house gave them a pretty good idea of where it went. He grabbed his pack and began to follow it. Next, we have Tozier the Jagged, a turtle warlock who recently saved a small village from a band of pirates. After helping the town rebuild, all while spreading the good word of his patron Arthia, he made his way further along the coast, where he came across the remains of a broken ship that had washed ashore. Intrigued, he walked closer, inspecting the swirling tree insignia along the side of the remains. While running a hand across the wood, he heard a noise come from inside. Drawing out his warhammer, he slowly stepped in, only to find a young human boy, scared and too skinny for his own good. Tozier put away his hammer, reached out a hand, and said, Have you heard of the divine light of Arthia? After that is Aurora of Winter, a tabaxi paladin who has undertaken a vow of blindness in order to best serve justice. While turning in a group of thugs who had been exploiting businesses, she crossed paths with a panicked woman, pleading with the guards to let her husband free. Aurora approached the woman and heard her story. Her husband had been delivering a pallet of food to the Reese's Manor. When he arrived at the estate, he found the Reese dead in the gardens with a knife in his chest. And it was then that the guards came upon them and, assuming it was him, arrested him. Not long after, he was sentenced to death. Aurora listened with patience and understanding. After taking a moment of silent thought, she spoke. I will fight on his behalf in a trial by combat. And if his cause is just, my goddess will prove it so. Next is Nizima Alta, the ratfolk fighter who last we left had been making her way to Dolarius, the capital city of Brana, in order to run a heist. Upon reaching the city, she made her way to meet her contact at the Leaky Hill Tavern, and quickly found herself at the center of a bar fight with some less than accepting half-elves. They took her as a monster and tried to drive her out of the tavern with violence. Through swift movements and clever uses of bar stools, she found herself victorious, and the half-elves found themselves with a few more broken bones. Lastly, we have Virgil Bowerstone, the hill dwarf life cleric currently exploring the lost ruins of Bienstpola with his adventuring party. After entering the ruins, the group found themselves besieged by traps, ambushed by the undead, and exposed to the dark, dank atmosphere of the underground. However, they persisted knowing that the treasure of Bienstpola could not be far away. Descending deeper and deeper, they eventually found themselves in a cavern filled with water. The still surface began to shudder as a massive, serpent-like figure emerged. The bard whispered under his breath, An aboleth, and the bite on Virgil's neck began to burn. And that's it for now. Along with the heroes of Cortia, I'd also like to thank the citizens of Allhearth, who have recently elected Beth Callow as mayor and are now voting on what to do with a surplus of grain. The attendants expected at the next meeting are Adustus, Bladed SK, Boss Hunter 9, Fiduge, Gleb Borshevsky, Grizzly Melon, Joachim Dahlquist, Ming, Nursebone, Phil Emarg, Preston Medors, Romy Kabi, Savara, Seth Rollman, and Softstar. Make your votes good. Anyway, hope you all have a great day and or night, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.